Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and Miss Boo take turns picking films to watch and talk about. Some are good, some are bad, and some fit in with the holiday spirit at the Film Club. Boo, how are you? I'm good. We're doing Christmas at the Film Club, and at the time of this recording, it is 90 degrees in California, which is a regular Christmas for us. Yeah, yeah, we really enjoy our year-round summer. I mean, we really don't, but it just wouldn't be Christmas without our, you know, traditional heat wave. Exactly. So, this year, how are we going to start off our Christmas at the Film Club? I think the best way we possibly can with a Christmas classic, a film from... Oh, the, the 1980s, 84. I mean, who doesn't love an 80s movie? I know. Produced by Steven Spielberg, directed by Joe Dante. Uh, we're going to be watching Gremlins today. How hyped are you? I'm not a massive hype because Gremlins is a movie I haven't seen in a very, very long time. I just Same. know it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. But yeah, rewatching it, I'm like, this is a fun movie. This is a good 80s movie. Yeah. Also, yeah, this is just a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. I know. I, I realized like halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't like a a fun, like, Christmas, like, black comedy. This is a straight horror movie after a point. It wouldn't be the film club if we didn't talk about horror movies. Exactly. Might as well just officially change the name to the horror club. Nah, just for, you know, October, months around October. October is in our hearts. So, Gremlins. Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody what the plot of the movie is? I mean, I have the whole thing written down. I what? think people have guessed by now that I script out our, our plot synopsis. He even acts out the movies. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. But before we get into that, when was the last time you saw it? Oh, jeez. It... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Maybe when I was a teenager, like 13, 14. So it's been a very long time. Many moons ago? Yeah. I would say uh, last time I saw it, I was I was probably younger than that. Wow. Yeah, I think I saw this on TV, I think, when I was nine. And that was the last time I ever saw it. Have you only seen it, like, once? or? I think I saw it, like, a couple of times. Okay. It, it's one of those movies where it would come on TV, like, every, yeah. every year. And I would watch it from, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, or whatever. Yeah. And whenever it was on, I would watch the movie, but... Oh, I haven't seen it in so long. I forgot literally everything about it. I remembered it was a Christmas movie, and I thought it was a kids movie at ah. first, and it is not a kids movie. No, not really. And I mean, I've seen it a good amount of times. There was a lot of stuff I forgot too. Watching it, it was just like, oh yeah, I forgot this happens. Oh yeah, I that happens. People die in this. I forgot like. The gremlins are sadist. I forgot the bar se- I completely forgot the bar sequence. Completely. Where it's just a meme spectacular. I mean, I forgot about Gizmo and the pink Corvette. Oh, for the climax of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea how this movie ended. I, I felt, like, kind of good, though, because, oh, I don't know how this ends. Like, It's a surprise. It's a surprise. But, yeah, so, gremlins. Uh, you wanted to get started with the plot, right? Yeah, in case people haven't seen this movie, what is this movie about? Well, spoiler alert. See, I finally remembered to do it before I started spoiling the wow, entire movie. Wow, Dean's progressing. It's I'm a trying. Christmas miracle. I'm trying. So, this film begins with struggling inventor Randall Peltzer visiting an antique store, hoping to find a Christmas present for his son Billy. Inside, Randall encounters a small, furry creature called a Mogwai. The owner, Mr. Wing, refuses to sell Randall the creature, but his grandson secretly sells it anyway. 
warning Randall to remember three important rules. Do not expose the Mogwai to light, do not let it come in contact with water, and above all, never, never feed, feed it. it after midnight. Exactly. And that's how this movie opens. And I like it. It also makes me realize, so this is where the Simpsons are stealing it from. Come on, you can get a free Frogert. You know, when they sell them the Krusty doll. You'll be sorry. Uh, <laughs> or no, that was for the hand. I, I'm just saying that I watching this opening sequence, I just, I got reminded of the Simpsons yeah. for Horror. And I also, I like the opening. It's one of those things where you can tell this is an 80s movie by yeah. some certain stereotypes. But it is, it's all in good fun. At least I think so. It does feel like um, an opening harkening back to like those old like 50s like TV shows. Yeah. It feels like a what if kind of comic book. Your, your thoughts on the opening? Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of WandaVision a little bit. Mm-hmm. That throwback to kind of, you know, the simpler times. When I mean, this could be the opening of your movie. Yeah, because, I mean, I completely forgot about him going to Chinatown and he buys Gizmo. I just remember the opening of the movie where we're seeing, you know, the back lot of Universal and there's snow and everyone's happy and people are buying trees. It's like I completely forgot the setup to, okay, we're going from getting uh, the Mogwai to taking it back to this nice, happy community and how all hell's going to break loose within, like, a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, I think we... I think the gremlins start destroying things very quickly once they get in. Yeah. But once Mr. Randall takes the Mogwai back, he returns home and gives the Mogwai to Billy as a pet. Randall names the Mogwai Gizmo, explaining the three rules he was told, and Billy makes sure to treat him well. When Billy's young friend Pete accidentally spills water over Gizmo, five more Mogwai spawn from his back, a more troublemaking sort led by the aggressive stripe billy shows one of the mogwai to his former science teacher mr hansen spawning another mogwai on whom hansen begins his experiments on so this is now like the setup we get to see what the community is yeah yeah this is starting to feel like a 50s b movie right Uh, i mean better effects but like how the story is playing out yeah i mean i think for me it's just crazy to see okay We've got this guy that is inventing everything, and he brings home Gizmo, and it's like, oh, wow, we could turn this into a profit. It's right yeah. off the bat, it's, you know, okay, take care of him, this is your new pet, but every kid in America would love to have one of these for Christmas. And it's just like, no, leave this poor creature alone. He doesn't get left alone. Corey Feldman goes and spills the water on I him. I also forgot there was Corey Feldman in this Me movie. Me too, and this was probably around the time of... Uh, Friday... Part four was the, the one he did when he was very young. When he dresses up like Jason when he shaves his head. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think... Definitely before the Goonies. Yeah, so if it was... Actually, yeah, yeah. This would have been around the time he filmed uh, Friday the 13th Part 4. So, yeah, this is probably, like, right before the Goonies. This is probably one of his first, like, major roles when he yeah. was, like, a kid. Yeah, so it's just interesting to see... How shit hits the fan so fast. Yeah, because right after this, once they go home, Stripe and his fellow um, Mogwai trick Billy into feeding them after midnight, and they form into cocoons, as does Hanson's Mogwai, and they soon hatch, and they emerge as mischievous reptilian monsters known as the Gremlins. 
Finally, the gremlins show up. And they begin to torture Gizmo, attack Billy's mother, Lynn, and they kill Hanson. And now chaos ensues. This is our first instance of us seeing the gremlins, right? Yeah. Which, it doesn't take us too long to see them. No, it, we're it's probably a good... only a half hour into the movie. Yeah. But them and their cocoons, totally aliens. Oh, yeah. Mm. The, it, that's the thing about this movie. A lot of it is just homages to other things. Yeah. And, I mean, it opens with, like, a Looney Tunes bit, right? Like, that's the opening of the movie. Like, no, that's Gremlins Part 2. Is Gremlins Part... Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Gremlins yeah. Part 2 is the Looney Tunes, um, yeah. like, intro. Yeah, this one we get Chinatown, and then we get, like, the traditional Christmas movie opening with the snow and everyone's happy mm-hmm. and then we see that not everyone's happy in the small town because we have you have mrs scrooge basically basically who is just you know walking with her severed uh snowman's head and people are begging her because she's she's like what an heiress or she's part of the I bank think she just owns the town I, that, I think that's what's implied is she's rich lady who owns the town or her husband owns the bank and People are like, you know, there's a lot of people losing their jobs and we need to feel, feed our children before Christmas and blah, blah, this and that. And she's just like, you know, <laughs> the poor mom there with her two kids who's just like, my kids need food and medicine. And the, the little kids, I'm so sick. <laughs> she goes, why don't you ask Santa to get you better for Christmas? And it's like, what a bitch. Yes, yes. And it's just like, oh, my God. And that leads us into meeting Billy. Yes. Because Billy's dog, Barney breaks her snowman and that's she's just i'm gonna kill your dog and it's like come on gremlins make your appearance now take this old woman out we don't need her but it's just interesting to see how not everything is perfect even though picture wise it looks like the perfect small town yeah i mean i i do like how that we see the town and then we finally get into it's like the gremlins are attacking Mostly because once the gremlins attack, then we get to see the town, like, fall apart, basically. And I do I do like it when they finally turn and they attack the science teacher, Mr. Hansen. And it, again, it just looks like a 50s B-movie to me, and it's great. Obviously, this is not a 50s B-movie. I think those gremlin model things cost, like, 30 grand a pop. Something like that. I mean, I know they were expensive to the point where they were checking people's cars after every shoot just to make sure that people weren't stealing things from the set. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's 84. Technology isn't really where it is right now. So it's like, yeah, you have to do practical effects. And my God, can you just think of how many gremlins you have to build? And hopefully they're all working at the same time. Mm, apparently the worst one was gizmo yeah because he was just like way smaller than the rest of them yeah so it it just i understand i keep bringing up the point that yeah this movie is basically a b movie but it was very very expensive which it it was but as it goes billy and his girlfriend lynn are able to kill off some of the gremlins except for stripe who escapes to a local ymca where he jumps into the swimming pool spawning an army of gremlins to wreak havoc on the entirety of the town I mean, how much did you like that stop motion where it's all the little gremlins running up the, I was the main street? I was impressed by that, yeah. Again, like, the, the movie becomes an effects, an effects, like, just extravaganza at that point, right? Yeah. Because we have them in the bar where, and then we have them... We in, have them in the movie theater where it's just rows and rows of rows them. Rows and rows of them. It, it's really cool because the puppetry work, the animatronic work is super impressive. Yeah. Especially for 84 when this movie was made. 
I'm trying to think of other movies that came out around this time that looked like this, like to this extent. Well, speaking of, you know, big movies that came out at the time, this actually debuted on the same day as Ghostbusters. Yeah. And that's just two really great movies technology-wise, not just story-wise, but I mean, the tech, you know, with the ghosts and, you know, the tech with the gremlins, it's just like wow, this is the 80s, and it's just, you're really immersed into this universe that they've created. I mean, we've seen some of the best practical effects in the 80s. I mean, I would argue um, John Carpenter's The Thing is some of the best use of practical effects. One of your all-time favorite movies. One of my all-time favorites. I mean, RoboCop is really impressive for practical effects. There's there's just a lot of them. And this is just, it's just really fascinating, because, you know, if they made this today, they'd all be CGI. Definitely. You wouldn't have a real, like army of these puppets no you know they'd all they all be claymation they'd be one and then be multiplied a hundred times in a computer yeah and i think that's what makes this movie special is that everything looks so real i mean even down to their texture where they kind of look wet they look kind of like creature from the black lagoon a little bit and it's just like yeah you really do look like this amphibian kind of creature that isn't that tall but can kill you and that's terrifying they, it's a really great design for the Gremlins. I will I will say that. It's a very good design for them. But as the movie goes on, Billy is, rescues his girlfriend, Kate. They hide in the abandoned bank. But soon, Billy and Kate discover that the town has fallen silent. And the Gremlins are watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves at the local theater. And they hatch the idea to set off an explosion to kill all the Gremlins. Which they do. Except for Stripe, who is getting more candy because... That's just what you do at the theater. Well, yeah, you want to make sure you have a lef- enough candy for a feature film. And as it goes, <laughs> morning comes, Billy chases Stripe into the into the store, and Stripe almost is able to multiply himself in the water fountain. But Gizmo comes to the rescue, cracking open the skylight, and killing Stripe in the sunlight like Nosferatu. Yes. Yeah, this is where we get, like, full meme, right? Yeah, there's a lot of memes in this movie. Right. Because, like, the whole... I, I go back to the bar scene, because it's, like, right before this, where you have the, what is it? I think it's, like, a Michael Jackson gremlin. Mm-hmm. You have, like, a flash dance gremlin. You have the, the drunk um, singing gremlins. You have the you have the gremlins around the poker table, yeah. like the dogs. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and they're all there, and they're, like, watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I'm like, that's a weird cameo. I'm like, how much did they pay Disney to show this? Well, you know why they did that, right? Um, as as far as I know, it's just because Joe Dante liked the movie. I don't actually know why it's in it. Snow White, when it first came out, it came out uh, in Christmas time of, oh God, like 31 or whenever Snow White first came out. Yeah. So Snow White's kind of been canon as like a Christmas movie because of its release. Oh, so okay. that's why they had it playing at that theater because it's kind of like a tradition. Oh, hey, it debuted, you know, during this time of the year. So why not bring it back to have it, you know, play with the rest of the Christmas movies that are playing through, you know, the season. Oh, okay. That's that's an interesting little thing. So it wasn't like, oh, just like a random reel they found. It's like, no, this debuted Christmas time and it's a family movie. So let's have these little monsters sitting there watching it and singing hi-ho at the same time. Yeah. When they start singing hi-ho, that's when I completely just gave in. I'm like, okay, this is just a black comedy. That's just what this movie is. Did you start singing Hi-Ho? No, no. But I, 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 I mean, gave in a little. I, I mean, I may have. Just a little bit? And then you see, you know, that, that great shot of the back of them as they're watching the movie, and then you have the one gremlin wearing the Mickey ears. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, 
I don't know where you found that, but it just works with the scene. I'm just wondering how they got away with it without Disney suing them. I mean, Uh, they probably asked for permission. Spielberg was the producer on this, so he probably had enough pull. But it's, like, surprising nonetheless. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, and basically after that, it's just, you know, Billy and his parents at home, and then Mr. Wing appears again to take... Gizmo home. Take Gizmo home, because these god damn Americans cannot take care of the Mogwai. He was like, one, I never sold him to you. My grandson did some shady shit behind my back and sold him off. Two, you knew the rules. And then three, you're trying to sell him off. You're, you know, having him experimented on. It's just like, you're not ready. He tells that to the dad. And then he tells Billy, he goes, someday you might be ready. And it's just like, poor Gizmo, you take him, you know, Christmas night. It's just like... And Mr. Wing walks off into the matte painting of Christmas. Yes, as the two of them are talking because he speaks Mogwai. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? But yeah, so that's the overall plot of the movie. Anything else you kind of got a little little itch for on this one? Well, I mean, I was kind of surprised when I was doing the research that Christopher Columbus actually wrote the script for this. Yeah, yeah, he wrote the script for it. I want to say this was before Home Alone. Yeah, definitely before Home Alone... I think he wrote Home Alone 2 as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, is Chris Columbus, you know, screenwriter and stuff like that, but he became a really famous director. Yeah. Once, you know, the 80s kicked in, I think he directed the first two Harry Potter films, I think. I know he directed the first one. But yeah, I'm not sure. one of those things where it's interesting to see him start here. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of funny, Joe Dante to this day has no idea why this movie's successful. Yeah. And I mean, it's a huge success. I mean, during Christmas time, there's really nowhere you can go without not seeing something Gremlins. Um, I mean, I was scrolling through Instagram today and a couple of um, pages that I follow, they were doing like Gremlins products for Christmas. Okay, okay. To caveat that, those pages you were following, were they horror Instagrams? No, one one was like kind of like a Funko kind of company where it's just collectors and toys stuff like that but because uh, i always thought gremlins fell off the face of the earth after after a while because again mm-hmm. i i was able to get away with not having rewatched this or heard anything about it for a long time like i heard more about gremlins 2 than the first gremlins film no i mean i know people that like watch it on a yearly basis. I'm I'm not one. It's just mm-hmm. one of the ones that's kind of slipped through the cracks for me. I mean, from what we've discovered, if you listen to this podcast, about ninety percent of the movies we've watched, Boo's like, oh, I watch them every year, multiple times. I take notes on them. I mean, not that extreme, but to each their own. I'm. You may or may not have said you watch ninety percent of these movies multiple times a year. I've got you know a set amount of movies that I like to watch routinely. Yes, yes. But back to Christopher Columbus. Uh, with... You mean Chris Columbus? Because one of them founded yes, America. Yes, Chris Columbus, the one that wrote this movie. Uh, it was also stated that there is a... Uh, oh, God, what's that movie that's in this movie? A Wonderful Life? It's A Wonderful Life? Yeah, yeah. There is a nod to that in each of the films that he's written, his Christmas movies. It's, I mean... in, it's in this movie, it's in Home Alone, Home Alone 2, so it's like... Doesn't surprise me. It's um, like, is that maybe his favorite Christmas movie or more than likely? I mean, it's a wonderful life's a good movie. I personally have never gotten a chance to watch it, 
but I'm hoping to break that, you know, this year. I, I bought the movie. I'm getting ready for the Christmas season. I'm going to finally watch it. Or you could just, I don't know if it's like NBC or one of those stations where they just show it like on a loop for 24 hours. So yeah. you could have done that too. I just didn't have the chance. It's, but a, it's a good movie. I think. I've heard nothing but great things. I think like in the past few years, I finally saw it all the way through for the first time because I'd come home and, oh, okay, we're at a different part of the movie. Cool. I'll watch it till the end. But I recommend it. Give it a watch. Okay. But Gremlins, any any last thoughts before we just give our thing? Sorry, everybody. This is a very short episode. Um, that's probably going to be on theme for most of Christmas <laughs> or, the, or the holiday season. Until we get to our extravaganza, then we're really going to get talking. Yeah. Well, if you want me to give like a final fact of the movie before sure. we, we head G- out here. Give our opinions, yeah. Okay, so my final fact of the movie. You may or may not know this, but at the time, Steven Spielberg actually considered Tim Burton to direct this movie. Yeah, but it was before Pee-wee's Big Adventure, right? Yeah. So he didn't think he could direct a movie? Yeah, he hadn't uh, directed a feature film yet, so he thought he probably wasn't ready. And thinking about it, this seems really like it's up Tim Burton's alley. This kind of movie where it's Christmassy, but with a devilish kind of twist. I would, I'm going to be completely honest. I think this would be a far worse movie Tim Burton made. It'd be darker. I don't, I mean, I think it would just look weirder. It would be like, it would, honestly, it would look like half, half of Edward Scissorhands. And I don't think it works for this. I think this works better being way more tongue and cheeky as it is right now. And I think the visual style for this is just right. It kind of looks, it kind of pastes like a 50s B movie. It looks very like picturesque, and then you have the the basically the Looney Tunes show up. Well, I mean, it also helps that it's shot on the Back to the Future set before Back to the Future was even filmed. Yes, if you're wondering, I didn't need a fact for that. I just recognized the street because I'm yeah. that much of a nerd. Absolutely, I mean that street is so recognizable, but that back lot is so easy to make you feel like you're in the fifties. Yeah, I I do think that is interesting, but boo. Thoughts on the movie? Good? Bad? Did it hold up as well as you remembered? Yeah, it held up. Uh, Lots of stuff that I forgot. It made me laugh. It kept me entertained the entire time. I would recommend it. I think I would recommend it too. This is definitely a pretty good Christmas movie. And I think it's a good non-conventional Christmas movie. I will say though, definitely not for kids. This This movie, along with Temple of Doom... Is why we have the PG thirteen now. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I would I would recommend it. It's probably aged just fine, but it's a good movie. I dug it. I'd give it above average. Definitely above average. It's a good eighties movie. Yes, definitely good eighties. It will movie. keep you entertained the entire time. Uh, I mean, for your your own you know sake, if you guys like you know looking at facts and trivia, this movie has a ton of you know good trivia on it. I mean, along with you know the time that it came out to with like some of the biggest movies of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely one of those eighties touchstone kind of movies. If you're into like, I guess, eighties chic, this is probably right up your alley. Um, but yeah, boo, what are we doing next week? Well, I mean, we can't have gremlins without gremlins too. Oh, that's right. The new batch, the new batch. So next week we're going to be talking about gremlins too where there's even more gremlins than the first movie. Exactly. This one's not necessarily a Christmas movie, but I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. 
it was something. I will say that. All right, everybody. But if you wanted to keep up with that, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Yeah, you can go to our YouTube channel, In The Frame. That's where you can find this podcast, The Film Club, as well as the other podcasts we do, namely the Film Odyssey podcast. Mainly me and my brother go through the AFI Top 100, discussing some of the greatest films ever made and seeing if they still hold up. And spoilers, some of them really do, but a few really, really don't. So come and check that out. Boo-boo. We'll see you next week at the Film Club. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>